Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to know more about Team Rhino Outdoors, check out the website, teamrhinooutdoors.com. Tonight we have two co-hosts again, Brad and Carrie Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to know more about Musky Mayhem Tackle, check out muskymayhemtackle.com. Hey Brad, Carrie, we're going to have a couple guests on tonight. We're going to talk to, first we're going to talk to Mike with the Milwaukee Musky Expo. He's going to talk a little bit about what you can expect if you want to come out to the show. And then we're also going to talk to Nick Linder. We're going to continue down the Linder family tree. And Nick's going to kind of talk a little bit about everything. We're just going to have a general fishing discussion with Nick. So it should be a good night on the podcast, I hope. But how are you two doing tonight? We're doing good, Jeff. I'm looking forward to this. You know, with Nick Linder, it's going to be super interesting. And we're going to hear from Mike again as as well as we are kind of putting gears together to get ready for the um, Milwaukee Muskie Show. Hard to believe that almost a month has passed or whatever it was between Chicago and Milwaukee. And we're actually, I mean, it's getting close now. I mean, from the time that this comes out, it's going to be, gosh, I think it'll be like early February. It'll be like a week and a half away from the show. So it'll be perfect timing to talk to Mike a little bit about what they got going on. I hope the musky fanatics in Wisconsin are getting ready to come out and support the show. I know we certainly love talking to a lot of people at those shows. We had really great comments on the podcast in the last in the last show in Chicago, and that was great to hear that you know real life people are actually listening to the podcast. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, the neat thing about Chicago that I would say, and I think we've already rehashed all of this, but ultimately having people come into the booth, talk to us about Backlash Podcast, it was incredible how many people did that. And I know you had the same experience, Jeff. It's cool. It's cool to know that we're actually putting something out there that people really want to listen to. And I think that's important. And as we go along here, we're going to continue to try to make improvements to make it even better. Yeah, absolutely. You and I and Carrie have talked off air about, you know, the podcast in general and the direction that we're heading. And we all realize that we have, you know, things that we need to work on. It's not a final product yet. So hopefully we can continue to push towards that. And tonight will just be a another podcast talking about fishing and we're excited to just you know talk to different guests it's fun that we get to talk to i mean that's the one thing about the podcast that's pretty cool is it's given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of people about fishing and i know hopefully we can land a couple of the guests that we're that we've kicked around we don't want to talk about anything currently because it's still kind of in the works but it's been you know it's pretty cool like i watched james linder on tv and i got to talk to him and i you know i've watched Jim Sarek on TV and I got to talk to him. And so it's been a really cool experience for us that way. Yeah. Hands down, Jeff. I mean, that's what it's about too, is, is bringing some of these guys out and people can actually get to hear the, the real side of them. You know, the neat thing about a podcast is in my opinion, is that it's a conversation amongst friends. Basically, this is something that you do campfire or around the kitchen table. And that's what I, I see the uh, backlash podcast presenting. 100%. Speaking of the podcast, we're going to put a post on Facebook. It'll probably be out when you hear this podcast. We're looking for listener questions again. You, you can either put it on, on Facebook, or if you're not into Facebook, then just send us an email, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. Brad and I are going to, we talked about it, we're going to put out some bonus episodes, and what we're going to do on those bonus episodes is they're going to be a little bit shorter, but we're going to answer listener questions on just anything that they want to know about fishing-wise. They want to know why Carrie's not giving a seminar in Milwaukee? You know, we're going to answer that question for you. You better lay off the seminar. 
Carrie's <laughs> <laughs> not giving this seminar in Milwaukee because Carrie would not even be able to speak. You'd be just fine. I think you'll be just fine. No, no. She can speak on the on the telephone here when no one's looking at her other than Brad, but not in front of a whole bunch of people. That would be ugly. Brad's kind of a big deal, though. So when he's looking at you, you got to feel pretty important. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm big, Jeff. I don't know if I'm a big deal. You, you need to talk Brad into speaking. He's the one. He's the speaker in the family, not me. That's coming, too, but it's more fun to tease you about it. That's true. That's true. Brad would just say, like, oh, okay, <laughs> and then that would, be, <laughs> that would be the end of it. You know, whereas yeah, you, I, I think maybe one day if I prompt you enough, it's going to happen. I can feel it. <laughs> it's not going to happen, Jeff. Uh, all right. Well, enough BSing for tonight. Why don't we get on, uh, get Mike on the line and talk a little bit the, about the Milwaukee Muskie Expo. And then we'll get Nick Linder on the line and we'll talk a little bit about Linder Media Productions. And we'll talk a little bit about Muskie Insider Newsletter. So let's get those guys on. Let's get rolling, Jeff. All right, everybody, we got Mike with the Milwaukee Muskie Expo on the line. Mike, you came on a couple weeks ago, talked to us about the Chicago show. Today, why don't we talk a little bit about the Milwaukee show and maybe what that one's got to offer. First, let's start with location. Where is the show at? The show is at the Washington County Fair Park, which is about a half an hour north of Milwaukee. So we, we continue with the name of Milwaukee Muskie Expo because it's kind of a Milwaukee greater area, but it is in West Bend. And so if you're from the northern end of the state, Green Bay or even coming all the way from Minnesota or whatever, it is a little bit more convenient to you. And uh, quite frankly, um, there's some other benefits to it. There's no problem with parking. So it's not like you come to an event, you have to pay 3 4 $5 for parking. The other event is part of that is is when you do show up and you do pay for parking in some of these other events, you don't have to worry about your car being stolen. So that's the beauty of coming up to West Bend. So that's why we're there. Yeah, it's a great facility for us in getting in, getting out. Works great. Uh, One thing we failed to mention were the dates. What do you have for dates on this show? The dates are February 14th, Valentine's Day, 15th and 16th. I hope we have some stuff here for any of the bachelors that do show up that actually have a girlfriend. If you don't, that's fine. Um, maybe you can get one. We, we're going to have Valentine's Day cards there. We're going to have flowers there. We're going to have all that kind of things there so you can make the excuse, honey, I got to go to a fishing show and get your present. And that's on the 14th, but uh, Saturday and Sunday is 15th, 16th. Obviously, there's no problem there. Well, that's perfect, Brad. You'll be able to kill a couple birds with one stone, come to the show, get Carrie some flowers. My wife will be there, so I can get her some flowers. This is going to work out well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's remarkable how many baits that we, you know, we tie custom baits at all the musky shows. I will say that we have tied tons of uh, customs over the years, being that the show is on Valentine's Day. So basically, we end up tying a bunch of pink and purples, and they're given to their wives, basically. Well, keep in mind, I, I make my work, wife work on this day, too. So, guys, if you can make a special one for my wife, I really, really appreciate it. I, I tell you, when I told her the show was going to be on the Valentine's Day, she looked at me and said, what? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It's going to be a good time. Well, let's hope we can avoid some of the weather that we had in Chicago, although that could have been a lot worse than what it was. It turned out to be all right in the end. Let's just hope. Well, I know we had record attendance for us, so whatever happened, 
happened kind of overnight. And quite frankly, I mean, obviously we lost some people from the outlying areas, but long-term forecast is a little bit warmer, so that should help us out. And obviously, if you want to plan on being there, that's obviously great. The best way to do it is just plan on showing up and grabbing a hotel room and stay for a couple of days. I mean, what the heck? Then it doesn't matter, right? Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, I mean, the attendance I thought was in a little bit off on Friday in Chicago, which was to be expected based off of what they forecast, but... They more than made up for it on Saturday and Sunday, and they came out to support the show. And you know, we had a, we did a recap a couple of weeks ago, and we thank everybody for coming out to that show. That was great, and hopefully, we see a bunch of bunch of the same faces in Chicago, and I hope we see a bunch of new faces in Chicago, in uh, Milwaukee. Well, um, ticket sales so far online, guys. I'm telling you straight up, they're going very well. Everything is just really kind of forecasting a great show coming up. Um, we've got a good ticket deal out there for a three day show, seventeen bucks. It just, you know, if you, you want to show up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever times you want to do it, boom, you, you've got your three-day ticket. What else do we have going on for kids? Obviously, you guys kind of bring some great stuff to that for the kids, but, you know, we're bringing um, at least 50, like, miniature T-shirts for kids to show up. So if you're bringing your children, hopefully we've got enough left. I mean, we're going to probably throw 50, 60 T-shirts a day at you. Hopefully that's enough to keep the, the little guys and girls happy. So that's what we're doing. I know I had a couple of happy kids from Chicago. They got their T-shirts. Brad, Carrie, you're going to have to snag one for Mika this time around. We'll let her snag her own. She's not shy. I know that. <laughs> it's a little hard to be shy when uh, when she's our kid, I guess. Well, she's Carrie's kid, and she's Carrie's not as maybe I don't I don't know how to put this exactly. She's maybe not <laughs> she's maybe not quite as outgoing as you are, Brad. Or maybe you know, she just doesn't was, talk as much as you. Maybe that's what it is. You know what's funny is there was a time when I was really, really bashful, but I've come out of my shell. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I, I, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome stuff. Anything else you guys want to know? I mean, the speaker lineup is pretty diverse this year. We've got people all the way from Minnesota, Canada, uh, the, the big Michigan Lake. Oh, God dang it. Why am I? St. Clair. Yeah, thank you. I, we, we've got the whole, we've got a huge breadth of people coming from different bodies of water. This is going to be one of the best lineups and speakers I've seen. Nothing concentrated, but all over the place. Technical, I don't know if anybody noticed last year, even musky fishing, how the water drop or the temperature drop in August was kind of like, just like a big shakeup for how you fought and how you did this. And we've got guys talking about that, you know, just how they, they, they feel that, you know, you had to, you had to fish a little deeper water come August, which is pretty startling, which is not normally your, you know, your leech time of year, but it wasn't leech time of year yet either. So it's just very interesting. A great lineup. I'm really excited to sit in and listen to a bunch of these guys. So anything you guys have to add on that one, I appreciate it because um, obviously you guys are on the front edge of everything you're trying to put out in front of people in terms of product, in terms of, of what you're presenting. So God bless you guys. Well, I know for sure we're going to see Mike Gies again at 1.30 on Sunday. And then our our guest recently was Spencer Berman. I know he's going to be talking, so it sounds like, you know, just those two guys alone are, are a big deal. And there's obviously a bunch more. If you want to check out muskieexpo.com, I'm sure you can find out the rest of the speaker lineup. Absolutely. Uh, muskieexpo.com. Tickets are there for sale. Um, if you do need to get a hotel room, you can, mus- you, you can actually mention Muskie Expo and get the same price for a hotel room that a vendor would get. So whether you're staying at the Hampton or the uh, Comfort Inn and Suite, 
you can book a hotel night and get the same price as a vendor. And then the other thing too, Mike, I had a couple things before we wrap up. Is there a VIP half hour for this show also like there was in Chicago or not? We, we're, we're not going to do that for this show. We just kind of feel like the Chicago show is kind of the epitome of the, the new bait, the new tackle, the new this, the new that. With the Facebook world out there, it's not new by now, and you haven't seen it. You probably haven't seen it, so I just really haven't felt that the premium was valid for, for this show. I've had a, I have had a number of people ask me, can we get to the front of the line with that ticket? And I'm like going, well... You know, we haven't sold it that way, so quite frankly, this year, no. I, I, I just can't validate that for what we're doing. I think just anybody that comes any time of the day, I think anybody that doesn't have baits isn't coming to the show. So if they've sold out the little boutique guys, they're, they're just not going to be there. So the vendors will be totally up to date as of this broadcast. So when you, when you hear this, you're going to be able to go online. You're going to see who's going to be there. And it is an outstanding lineup of representation of who's who in the muskie world. And then one last thing, Mike, let's talk about Young's Wilderness Camp. You told me they're putting up a generous package with a value of around $3,000. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, Perry and Carol Young, I tell you what, they're the most beautiful people you've ever met. It's just incredible. If you get an opportunity to go spend a week at their camp, the fishing will be secondary. The way that you're treated, the way that you're just, just fed, everything else, is just incredible. Obviously, their camp is incredible itself. Just picturesque and all that stuff. It's a great musky lake. Obviously, we're talking about Lake of the Woods. It's one of the premier fishing lakes ever. But here's the chance. You just show up, you sign up, and quite frankly, you've got a chance to win. I just can't say enough to Carol and Perry that they're actually putting this out there. And if they do this for the Muskie Expo, and for people that think about this, you know, the Muskie Expo is the Muskie Expo, but it's kind of like this big tent. So when we talk about the big tent, we talk about Muskie's Inc., and we talk about the expos. We talk about the individual people that are bringing forth and doing all these things. We talk about the Pittman Act. We talk about the whole commerce and the whole philosophical cycle that's going on. Muskie's Inc.'s part of this. It's just all the restocking, everything that's going on, Canada and otherwise and how this has just been promoting and propagating really, really, really big fish. That's what's so exciting. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking time out tonight to talk a little bit about the Muskie Expo in Milwaukee. We will see you there on, we'll see you there on the 13th, but everybody else gets to come on the 14th at 2 o'clock to check out the Expo, and it's, again, it's February 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Washington County Fairgrounds in West Bend. Again, like Mike had alluded to earlier, Everybody calls it Milwaukee, but it's technically way further, you know, half hour further north than it used to be, which, like you said, better parking, better accommodations, nice, you know, hotels are And you don't have by. to worry about your car getting broken into. <laughs> That's always a plus. So thanks for coming out, Mike. We really appreciate it. Nope. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike. Looking forward to seeing you. All right, our second guest tonight is Nick Linder. Nick is a third-generation Linder, and he's also involved in the Muskie Insider Newsletter. Nick, how are you doing tonight? I am doing excellent tonight. How about yourself? Things are going good. And we just had a nice talk with Mike from the Milwaukee Muskie Expo, and looking forward to going to that expo here soon. And now we're looking forward to talking to you about, uh, we kind of got a variety of topics tonight, I guess. We're going to talk about a few different things fishing-wise, and then we're going to talk about your newsletter. 
and we're going to talk about your family tree because you got a pretty interesting family tree. Sounds like it should be a good discussion. Looking forward to it. So, Nick, first things first, typically first-time guest, we kind of want a background. Why don't you start to talk to us a little bit about, this would probably be like the family tree part. You can kind of talk to us what got you into fishing. Obviously, me and Brad and Carrie kind of have a good idea, but some of the listeners don't. So why don't you kind of give them a background as to who you are and how you got to where you are now? Okay. Yeah, no, that's always a a little bit of a complex question, just as far as the family tree thing goes. My dad is James Linder, who I believe you guys had on a little bit earlier here. And from there, his father is Ron, who would be my grandpa, and Ron's brother is Al. So that's a little look at the family tree. And I guess growing up, since this is sort of kind of a musky-themed podcast, I have memories being probably, I don't know, I must have been like seven or eight years old out fishing with my dad and out, you know, probably late November and I can't remember if it was snowing or raining or sleeting and it just being miserable underneath the dashboard of the boat. And so, I don't know, I guess you could say I remember being the extra rod growing up as far as muskie fishing goes, the extra sucker that you could have on the water. It was a, a pretty cool experience growing up in the family that I did. Obviously, I got to fish a lot. There were a lot of things that I learned early on that I thought was commonplace that maybe wasn't so commonplace. I was always surprised to know that certain people didn't know about certain things and yeah it was that that's a little bit of my background I, I I hate to say it but growing up sort of in my teens and whatnot I really liked to bass fish a lot but as I got older and sort of evolved mentally I started to like different things such as muskie and walleye and panfish ice fishing etc so yeah that's I guess a little bit of a background of sort of my fishing past and family tree and whatnot. When do you think it really hit you, Nick, that, you know, here's my dad, here's my my uncle, my grandfather. When did it really hit you that you were like, hey, I want to be in the fishing world? What age were you? Oh, man. Maybe high school or so, or as I was getting out of high school, I used to play a lot of ball sports in high school and maybe didn't fish quite as much because as you imagine it's baseball all summer and basketball winter football in the fall and you know as I was starting to get away from ball sports as I was getting a little bit older I started to fish a lot more and yeah I would say when I went into college I knew that I didn't know what I was going to do the next four years the next five years six years, et cetera. But I did know that I wanted to work in the family. It's kind of a, a cool dynamic that we have at Linder Media where I would say I'm working with probably five or six people that I'm directly related to, which I guess presents some challenges, but it's also really, really cool. I know that both you guys are both working with uh, your wives as I, I hear quite often and uh, also your kids, which is which is awesome. So I think there's just something special to be able to work with your family. And when it's around a sport that you really, really love, it's, you know, tough to complain about that. 
I would agree with that. And I think Jeff would as well. It comes up quite often in our family, you know, that Carrie and I are working side by side all the time. Our daughter comes home from school or she's here all summer. You know, she's involved as well. And she's got Mika's Customs that we sell online as well as at shows. You know, it's so interesting. There's not, those dynamics really, really mean something. And not just anybody could actually do that with their wives. I mean, that's pretty, it's a pretty big uh, risk in some senses. Yeah, I won't disagree with that at all. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. I always, uh, I always joke too that, you know, so I went to school for economics and I love numbers and I love looking at charts and whatever. And, but if I had decided that I wanted to go work for a bank, I could be making way more money than I do now, but I would hate my job and I wouldn't get to be in the fishing industry. Let me ask you this. How many siblings do you have? I have two sisters, an older and a younger. And what is their fishing interest? I would say very, very little. So yeah, I would say both of them would like to get out for a token fishing experience maybe once a year. Yeah, that's always interesting to me that, you know, you come from a family that is a fishing background. You know, I have so many different people that I know, different guys that I guide or customers of ours that buy tackle from us or so forth. But, you know, one of the interesting things is, yeah, my kid, he just hit 16 and he's really not interested in fishing anymore. But I think we all go back to our roots, if you will if that makes sense. At some point, I think that, you know, as age comes along, we go back to our roots and we actually get back into that whole realm of fishing. If that's where you started. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. So I would say that I was in the boat, you know, a ton in my, from that age seven to 13 or so. And then as I got more and more involved with sports, I didn't fish a ton. But one thing that I would say to people who are parents, and I'm a parent, I have a couple little kids, is that maybe your kids might not be as interested in fishing during a window of time. But like you said, if they're grounded in it, I think there's a good chance they'll come back because it's a lifelong sport, you know? And I would say during those teenage years, there's just so much going on and you know, with other, with their friends and school and sports and, and there's just not a lot of time, but there's a, don't lose hope because, <laughs> because good things are on the corner. So Nick, why don't you talk a little bit about what, what your involvement is on, you know, in the Linder media side of it, what's your involvement with the production and, you know, are you, are you involved in the production? What's your day to day kind of look like? I started working with the family when I was probably, I want to say it was one year before I could start driving. So it would have been 15 or so. And when I first started, I was scanning old uh, film and putting it on the computer and basically Photoshopping off hairs that were on the film. But that was a long time ago. Nowadays, I do a lot of stuff. So sort of as far as all of our Linder Media assets go, I end up managing basically the digital side of all those things. Um, so that would include Linder's Angling Edge, which is definitely uh, more of a television show, but we do a lot of online stuff. We put our shows on YouTube and whatnot. Angling Buzz, which is a product uh, project that we've had a lot of fun with over the last few years. We've only been doing that for 
four or five years, but that's more of a Midwest regional show. That would be multi-species, I would say, maybe more of an emphasis on walleye and panfish. And I mean, we talk about bass and muskies too, but it's a, that's been a fun project for us as well. But the newest project that we've been working on is, but the newest project we've been working on is angling buzz ice, which has really, really been fun. So I would say, I know you guys are musky guys, so you probably don't try and do a lot of shooting video out on the ice, but that is definitely a struggle. I would say it's been a struggle, but it's been really cool and been really uh, received really, really well. It turns out people like to watch ice fishing stuff on YouTube for whatever reason. I think it, I think it might have something to do with the fact that they would rather be inside where it's warm watching the videos than outside where it's cold. I don't know where you guys stand on that, but that's just my theory. Well, unfortunately for Carrie and I, I mean, Carrie and I met in a, in a fish house, actually. We had really? linoleum in the inside of a big hard shell house. She came in with a friend of mine that I worked with at the time, and Carrie fell in my lap, actually. And that's how we first met. <laughs> so, you know, ice fishing has always been a big part of my life. But since we started this tackle company... Really, we don't we don't get any time to actually ice fish. Unfortunately, this is the time of the year when we're we're doing a ton of uh, keep fill orders or initial orders for most of the box stores, and it just doesn't present a time where we can get out ice fishing. I'm hoping this weekend that we can maybe get out, but you know how that goes. I mean, work first, play later. That's what I was brought up and always told. My dad always said that to me. I bought a new clam. Uh, portable about two years ago and i have not used it yet it's sitting on a shelf on pallet racking in my garage unfortunately <laughs> have you built it yet did you say it was a flip over or a hub uh it's a flip over and yeah it's put together it's got the little cover over the top of it there's a bunch of ice fishing equipment inside of it and i haven't even got it on the ice unfortunately you know last <laughs> winter was kind of a pain we had lots of snow and that kind of stuff. So it kind of hurt us with that. But I, uh, our winters have just gotten so crazy that we just don't have the, the actual time to break away from, from the normal seven days a week work that we do. So it's challenging, but I do love ice fishing. Uh, I like all fishing. So, I mean, it, it's hard for me, you know, and I, you know, as soon as it melts off, we get out pan fishing. So we're doing everything just like you are, Nick. But at the end of the day, my true passion is muskies, obviously. And I think Jeff could agree with that. And I think Carrie, she's saying not so much. Tell us, Carrie, what do you like? I would rather, <laughs> I'd way rather go fish big bluegills. Okay. That's during the during the winter or, or other times Whenever. of year? Whenever. Sure. Do you guys have <laughs> some pretty good uh, secret big bluegill lakes over there you might be willing to cough up? <laughs> well, for sure, Nick. I mean, you know, I've, I've, it's interesting, you know, over the years, we share the same accountant. Well, I guess he kind of retired from the lender side, but basically partially retired. I know he still hangs out with your dad as well as your uncles and, and, and things like that. But our accountant actually worked for you guys for many years, Gary. Yeah. He will call me different times throughout the season. Hey, what do you guys got going on down there? Is there a bite going and I love to help you guys try to find a new bite, you know? So 
would you be interested in bluegills? Yes. I mean, that's that's a passion <laughs> that Carrie and I both share. Bluegills are awesome. Speaking of bluegills, I'll actually, so yesterday, I don't know why, but I was trying to catch whitefish with my dad. But tomorrow, I'm going to be doing probably my favorite thing to do on ice, and that is chasing bluegills with underwater cameras. So that's just, to me, the most entertaining thing you can do ice fishing is watching fish bite. And yeah, there's just something about catching big bluegills that's just tough to beat. I don't know why. It is tough to beat. Getting big bluegills is challenging. And honestly, I mean, it sound, might sound kind of cliche or stupid. But it's very similar to fishing muskies in a sense. It, <laughs> it's not always an easy game, you know, if you want big ones. No, that's a good point. You know, I've traveled over to your guys' neck of the woods plenty of times, and it's like the weirdest thing in the world. You'll fish, it seems like the entire lake, you'll drill, you know, 100 plus holes, and it turns out that there are no bluegills in the entire lake. And then maybe you call a buddy and they're like, well, did you try that one inside turn in front of the, you know, the big brown house or whatever? And it seems like all of the bluegills are right in that one corner for some reason. And they only want to bite for 45 minutes before sundown or whatever. So, yeah, they can be, they, it can be kind of a little bit of a wild goose chase sometimes. Well, that's typically bluegills, that's for sure, especially the bigger ones. It's always interesting chasing them, that's for sure. I'm still trying to figure out how this podcast took this turn. That was my fault. I'm sorry, sorry. that was... <laughs> I'm actually just I feel like it was my fault for, for taking the bait, too. That's <laughs> just fun. Catching a 10-inch bluegill is like catching a 50-inch muskie. That you don't come by them every day. Hardly any days, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally valid. I think uh, I think there's a lot of people listening to this right now that are thinking to themselves, uh, how are we comparing bluegills and muskies? But, yeah, I mean, if you've done it enough, you'll see the comparison. So I don't, I don't know where else to go with that, but that's, uh, yeah, we can be done talking about bluegills if you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all I can say is that it's always blown my mind, Nick, how many people will, you know, we get on the bluegill topic and the next thing you know, they're saying, you know, I've never seen a 10 inch bluegill. And so yeah. you end up taking them out and you get them on a 10 inch bluegill and they're like, oh my God, this is the most fun. I mean, pound for pound, one of the most strongest fighting fish. So you can't ask for anything more than that. It's cool. And it's really good stuff. I've caught more 50-inch fish than I've caught 10-inch bluegills in my life, and I've fished bluegills my entire life. Yeah, I don't. I, I a totally solid 10 inch. I, I guess I would say that I for sure. I never thought of. I never thought of that, but yeah, that's a good valid point, Gary. I, I feel like a lot of people overestimate how big the bluegills they are catch, they're catching. If you've caught a true 10-inch bluegill, it feels like you're holding a dinner plate in your hand. It's it's crazy. It's a uh, you know, it's about 20% of the size of a 50-inch a muskie, but just a super impressive fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you hear that, Jeff? Super impressive 10-inch <laughs> fish. Yep, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, Next time you're over here, Jeff, I'm taking you out bluegilling. One of us had to bring this back to reality, all right? <laughs> hey. This is not only about muskies, this is about fish. So hey, let's bring it on. I was it's still good. think I was still thinking about filming ice shows. 
Like I was just, <laughs> this may sound crazy, but even prior to him bringing it up, I kept thinking to myself, in fact, I was going to do it this December, but we went from having potentially really great ice conditions to really crappy ice conditions because of how much snow we got yeah. in the north. I want to film a YouTube ice show. I want to film a couple of them, actually. I just don't know how to fit it in because, like you said, Brad, with, well, this year, online sales have taken up, taken off quicker than I anticipated, but also with all the prep for shows and getting ready for spring, it's difficult to get away, especially when you're away so many weekends at these shows, but I really do want to film an ice show or two just because I think it would be, first off, I can fly a drone around and I don't have to worry about crashing in the lake, which was... <laughs> A problem this summer and then i can it's been a, it's been a problem a few summers jeff <laughs> no that's the first one i've crashed in a lake though all the other okay. i've never crashed a drone in a lake i've crashed drones before i've gotten them clo close to the lake but they always land at least on the bank i've always been able to retrieve them so this summer that was that was a first so all right I also I thought corrected. you could get really cool like shots. I mean, with as many GoPros as I have, I could stick a GoPro on every single tip up that I have, and you should be able to get all those shots and cool stuff and fly drones around guys when they're drilling holes and just all sorts of stage stuff that I don't have to worry about. You know, with when you're in a boat, it's more confined, more everything's more restricted. So, what's a tip up? Those are these things that you know <laughs> you stick in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and if you fish in Wisconsin, you can put out about 25 of them. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Let's talk more about tip downs, well, though. Those tip downs are good for catching 10-inch bluegills. Although I typically use a tip down for catching crappies, but I'm sure I can catch bluegills on them, too. There, does that bring that back to the <laughs> typical conversation we've had tonight? <laughs> Crappy fishing well, and bluegill fishing are two different things. Yeah, that's I think... two different games. I think I'd rather try to catch 14 and 15 inch crappies. Although 10 inch bluegills are impressive. I seem to catch a lot more that are six inches and that's not <laughs> quite as impressive. <laughs> well, how about this? I'll, br I'll bring it back to muskies here. So you were saying that you were thinking about doing some ice fishing stuff, but then all the snow got crazy and, and maybe put that out of the question. So what's your guys' opinion on all this snow? Does that mean we're going to have, a terrible, terrible sucker shortage again this next year? That's a really good question. I know that this past season, I'm not a, a sucker fisherman by any means, and I prefer to try to catch them on uh, live bait or on regular baits. So, and I, anymore, I spend more time in the deer stand than I do in that late fall anyway. But mm -hmm. I would say that uh, it's a little bit scary. I'm hoping that this doesn't bother the weed growth again. We have a ton of snow on the ice, and I know we did last year as well as the year before. I, I'm i hoping for an earlier spring so that maybe we can get some sunshine on the bottom of that lake. Yeah, I was going to say that on the plus side is, based off of what I know, especially some of the lakes around here, we don't have a ton of ice on the lakes from what I know of. How are they over by you, Nick? Uh, well, it, it depends on which lake you're talking about. So it's really strange. Like the smallest lakes, you would generally say we just have a ton of ice freeze earlier and and whatnot but this year it's like we probably got i don't know three or four inches on a lot of our smaller lakes and then got dumped on with a bunch of snow the ice that was there got really bad and we weren't making a lot of ice so some of those smaller lakes don't have a ton but i would say that some of the bigger ones have quite a bit i mean they're starting to drive trucks and 
and whatnot out there at just as of, you know, a couple weeks ago, which is pretty crazy given the fact that as of this recording, we're in what late, late January. So, yep. January will be, you know, over in a day or whatever. Tomorrow's the last day of January. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, ice conditions are not, there's a lot of it on some of the bigger lakes, but some of the smaller lakes, it's really, really weird. I don't know how else to explain it. Well, over by me, they spear sturgeon on Lake Winnebago and I think the upriver lakes too. And I know that there are a lot of people that are concerned that they're not going to be able to drive trucks out on those lakes because we haven't had, like down by me, we hadn't had a lot of snow cover until recently. I think we got that big snow. I think it was over the Chicago show that we were at. We got a decent snow and then we have had a few snows since then, but we hadn't had a lot of snow on the ground, but we hadn't had a lot of cold weather either. So like most of these lakes don't have, some of mm-hmm. the bigger ones don't have much more than 10 inches ice where, you know, in late January, typically they're probably closer to 20, mm-hmm. 23, 24, somewhere in there. We, we definitely have, we got around 20 inches ice, but again, just what Nick said, you know, we, the smaller bodies of water that froze early, with the heavy snowfall that they got, they're not quite as thick. But some of our bigger lakes definitely uh, built some more ice than uh, the smaller lakes. But They're all you know, kind of sketchy, though. They are a little sketchy. You're right. And the biggest thing that I would say is that the snow cover, you know, not allowing that sun to penetrate to the bottom of the lake is more of a factor for me in that mm-hmm. sense. I don't know. It, it's uh, We've played with some crazy springs the last couple of years, and it's basically our winters have continued right through March into April, and we're not getting the normal springs that we once did. So it's changed the game a little bit for the month of June when our, our season first opens. So what? How, how would you say you fish differently in just basically opener the first couple of weeks of the season when it's been like this or, you know, as far as what people have to look forward to maybe this year. Well, I, I really would like to go out and start doing some open water trolling, thinking that the muskies have done doing their spawn and went through that whole process. But the last couple of years, it's taken two to three weeks before that spawn is really totally complete. So you know, we're, we're doing some casting, actually, before we get into the open water trolling. And that's not typical of a normal spring for us here in, in Minnesota. You know, and that varies across the state, obviously. I mean, Minnesota's a big state. The southern portion of the state, some of those fish are actually out in that abyss and, and doing their open water thing. But the last two seasons here where I'm at, you know, in west central Minnesota, literally, you know, we get out open water trolling. Don't get me wrong. We're going to get one fish here, one fish there. But ultimately, those fish are up shallower and we're almost doing a pre-spawn casting program than we would be Mm -hmm. doing a post-spawn. So definitely something to consider. And the other part for all you casters out there. You know, you need to look for the greenest, newest green weeds that are developing when that first ice comes off. And that has been challenging because of so much snow Mm -hmm. on top of the ice. The sun isn't penetrating and we're not getting the great weed growth that we normally would in early May to to beginning of June. So that's those are two big factors. But what I really want to know, Brad, is does it matter if I use a a white and red bobber or do I got to use a different kind of bobber? You know, when I'm chasing that open water bluegill bite. 
You want the I would I would one. definitely I would definitely go away from red just because it would contrast too much against the sky. So that would be really a, a no go. Just my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> oh, I love it. If you're gonna fish really big ones, Jeff, you don't you don't use a bobber. You don't? Not too often. So do I gotta switch up to night crawlers right away or am I using mostly waxies? <laughs> No, if you're in the right spot, you can use artificials. Sweet. Things the are big lo- leaguers use spinner baits. Oh, man, this is you getting better. You can do better. that, too. Are, are we going to have uh, Team Rhino Bluegill? No, no we're, <laughs> no, we're not. I'm humoring you. <laughs> no, we're not. Or a mini, mini, mini girl? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about that, actually. Oh, brother, this has gotten out of hand. <laughs> I want to I want to shift gears a little bit with Nick because one of the things that I find really truly interesting because I've done some of the the filming side as well. You know, one of the things that has really truly changed, Nick, and I don't know how much you remember, but TV, you know, the TV shows have changed, and there's so much more on YouTube. How has that affected Render Media? I mean, it's really remarkable to me how much that's changed. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. You know, so I would say for the past, I don't know, it seems like a decade now, but maybe a little less than that. It's sort of been like the Armageddon sort of where it's like, is is TV going to go away? How long is it going to take? And I think anybody who would have said TV is going away, if they would have put a timeline as to how long that was going to take, we are past those timelines now. So I I don't know. It's I think things move a lot more slowly than you'd think. I think a lot of people still have cable or satellite or, or whatever. Um, especially the kinds of people that like to watch our show, interestingly enough. But that being said, obviously YouTube is, is getting massive and it feels like maybe, you know, it wasn't too long ago that people would say, did you see that, that show where, you know, referencing a TV show where something cool happened. Now it's, did you watch that video? That same cool thing happened on, you know, whatever it was. So I would say it's obvious to say that the attention is shifting and it's sort of weird. It was, it was one of those things where we didn't have an internet strategy X number of years ago, you know, whether it was like eight years ago or whatever. And now it's kind of the thing where, this angling buzz ice series that we started is actually an internet only series. And we've had people say, well, what station is it going to air on? Well, just on YouTube. So, so that seems to be working. I think if you just look at purely at the eyeballs, I mean, TV delivers a lot of, a lot of viewership, but you know, if you do really, really well on YouTube, you could get just as many viewers, if not more, and you don't have to pay networks for that airtime. And, I guess, you know, that's a little bit of inside baseball stuff, but I think it's, I guess in short, it's changing quickly, but not super quickly. And I don't know, it's, it's really, to be honest, it's kind of a, it's a serious, serious transition time for a lot of the outdoor media industry. I don't know. I find it weird when people have television shows on networks that don't allow it to be played online. It's like if if you don't have cable television, you forget you forget that a lot of these shows exist sometimes, which is 
sort of weird, but I'm going down a rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah. You guys have any other thoughts on that? Well, I think it's interesting to me. One of the things that I always considered, say, even 10, 15 years ago is our armed forces. I mean, you think about them, they're overseas, they're doing whatever they're doing, whether they be in Iraq or Germany or wherever. How do they watch some of this stuff? And that's where YouTube really shines, in my opinion. You know, you're providing them a solution to be able to watch what they want to watch. It's interesting. And I don't know. I... I had the vision that this might happen at one point in time, and I, I don't know why I had that vision, but, you know, when I was making videos, oh, what, what was it, Carrie? How many years ago has it been? Ten. You know, 10 years ago, I thought, hey, this stuff is going to become real at some point. And, I mean, look at DVD sales. There is not. You know, and I, I still have people come into the booth, hey, when are you going to put out another DVD? And I'm thinking... DVDs are done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, YouTube has become a key and we're starting to go down that path as well. I would truly, truly love to know how many hours of, of tape and how many hard drives <laughs> are full at Linder Media because I, I can only imagine the amount of footage that's been burnt, some that's been seen and probably a lot that's never been seen. Yeah, no, we we definitely have rooms where there's tapes, which is interesting, right? And it's kind of like a battle of like, well, should we digitize this so we can use the B-roll later kind of thing? And yeah, that's always, uh, that's an interesting discussion. And all that stuff is shot in SD or it's square, right? But it's, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard stories of well before my time when, especially musky fishing was just insane because you had to be rolling hot all the time, you know, in case somebody actually catches a musky, which doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, where they're just burning through tapes and they have like a big giant crate of tapes where they're switching it, switching out in the cameras. And now, you know, you could shoot a uh, musky fishing show on your cell phone that looks much, much better than those tapes did x number of years ago so yeah it's just it's really strange i've i've heard all the the tape horror stories i guess luckily i've never had to deal with tape myself yeah for sure you know i i remember running three to four cameras at one time to going to a (laughs) full-time cameraman where he actually stood behind the camera and we would fish anywhere from 12 to 18 20 hours a day and he would be behind that camera the whole time and i I don't know how he did it. I mean, talk about somebody that's dedicated. He was phenomenal. And the reason, exactly what you're talking about. And then I remember other times I filmed with with Mike Keys from Keys Outdoors. I remember Mm -hmm. sending Carrie to town, I think two or three times, wasn't it, Carrie? Because we were catching so many fish. I think we caught 26 fish in two and a half days. And he's (laughs) like, we're going to be out of tape, Brad. And I'm like, okay, well, let's send Carrie to town. So Carrie would run the town, grab more tape, come back. We'd meet her at some little dock off somebody's property, hand us a bunch of tapes, and we'd fill those tapes. And we're like, Carrie, we need you to go to town. (laughs) And it was pretty remarkable. I think literally we caught 26 or 28 fish in two and a half days. It was totally insane. He aired two two weeks in a row. And never showed all the fish that we actually caught. So, you, you know, did a, it, you, you did a bass fishing show with Mike Keys. Basically, <laughs> yeah, 
basically. It, it was phenomenal, to say the least. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I myself have countless hours of, of mini DV tapes. And a lot of those, actually, we're thinking about putting them on YouTube here shortly. A lot of that stuff. Oh, wow. It's, it's not as cool as what we see today in HD or 4K or whatever you want to say, but it's still some valid stuff. And there's a lot of good uh, information there. And I know linear media has tons of that as well. Yeah, we have definitely have plenty in the archive. That's for sure. I, I will say though, even today, so we film obviously all, all types of species and I don't know, maybe we do maybe four ish or so musky shows a year. And it's always, uh, it, it, it's almost like you're drawing straws for which cameraman has to go and shoot the, the musky show. Cause it's always a grind. You're always up early, out late. God forbid anybody's throwing a topwater because then the cameraman has to watch the bait in every single time, every single time. So yeah, there's no doubt about it that musky fishing is definitely the toughest avenue if you are filming. So there's that. The other remarkable part to this whole story nick is you know the neat thing was back in the day you were buying cameras that range from 3500 to 20 grand and today you hit right. it on the head i mean you've got a good cell phone and you've got a camera that was better than what i had 10 15 years ago so it's the game has changed definitely yeah no it's interesting i was talking to a few guys who are pretty darn big into the whole youtube game and they actually, uh, somebody had asked one of them what they thought the next biggest thing on YouTube was going to be. And, you know, these days, like everybody's using GoPros and DSLRs and whatnot, but they said, I think more and more you're going to start seeing like bigger YouTubers using their phone to vlog or shoot videos or whatever. So that's, it's interesting how maybe even like DSLRs and stuff are going to start fizzling out. I don't, I guess we'll see how that all goes, but it's a crazy thought. That's remarkable to say the least. Well, with all that technology, the barrier to entry is just dropped so low. I mean, you could literally film a musky show with a GoPro and your cell phone and in, in all reality, it probably wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I think one thing that's really, really cool is I feel like there's a lot of guys who are musky fishing that, have GoPros strapped to their head and whatnot. And I feel like we just get to see more and more cool footage every year. I feel like we're seeing more and more of it and it's really awesome. Yeah. It's certainly a really good time to be involved with, with that kind of the video end of musky fishing for sure. I mean, some of the strikes that we've seen are incredible. Well, let's shift gears, Nick, and let's talk about, and I, I don't want to step out of bounds here, but I'm going to call it a newsletter and, and you'd correct me if I'm wrong, but Let's talk about the musky insider that you're involved in. Yeah, I mean, we call it a newsletter, so I think that's totally fine. I, I feel like we should think of a, a more fun way to categorize it. But yeah, so essentially, the musky insider is something that me and Josh Borofsky started. And it was sort of kind of just like a new take on musky media, essentially. So we send one newsletter out every week and... Essentially, it's, we're trying to be informative and fun, and we try to include as many big fish as we can and whatnot, and just try and be lighthearted. And I don't know, it's just something we thought the musky world needed. So that's, uh, yeah, that's our newsletter. So, Nick, let's talk a couple things. First off, 
if somebody's interested in the Muskie Insider, how do they get involved in, in getting that? Well, so the best way I would say would be to go to muskieinsider.com. And we have all of the past newsletters that we've done on the website archived. But I would recommend signing up for it so that you get it. Sometimes I'm, I'm lazy and I don't get it up on the website until a handful of days after it comes out. So I would recommend signing up so you get it in the inbox. And yeah, I mean, basically our goal with it is that it ends up being like one of the very, very, very few emails that you get each week that you actually look forward to seeing. And we like to keep it as musky centric as possible, almost a hundred percent musky. So if you're musky head, I think you'll enjoy it. And for people that don't know, it obviously costs you nothing. Yes, totally free. And we, we don't even ask for donations. So you, <laughs> there's, there's no pressure at all. It's completely free. And yeah, I think it's a, it's been a fun project for sure. We've been, we started it. I want to say it was right on the Minnesota Muskie opener just this past year. So we've only been doing it for a handful of months and we're looking to uh, keep on getting better and better. And I think one area where we really want to push the envelope more this next year is just talking to more different guys from different parts of the country that, you know, maybe some guys do more trolling, some guys do more casting, just a lot of different perspectives of different guys to get the best information as possible. And yeah, but always definitely keeping it lighthearted and, and mixing in those big fish too. So. So Brad, I hope you're enjoying it because I signed you up a couple of months ago. Have you been able to see it? Actually, I'm not signed <laughs> up, but I have I have looked at it multiple times, and I will say that you guys are doing a great job, Nick. And and I like the material that you're putting out. So I'd say keep up the good work, and it's just another option for people to actually get more information for muskies. Yeah, well, I I really appreciate that, guys. I I feel like there's definitely room in the musky world for more media and i think this is i don't know a little bit of a new take and i don't know i sort of i don't love talking about myself but i appreciate you guys letting me talk about it a little bit here so can you talk a little bit about where you get i mean do you have people that you have guest writers or is it mostly video clips can you get can you get an idea of like a listener what he's what he's in for or she's in for if they want to sign up for this newsletter yeah absolutely so Man, it's kind of hard to kind of hard to pin down exactly what it is because we try and make it a little bit different every week so it doesn't uh, get stale or the same. So, oh, man, I guess if if you were curious what type of what type of content we have within the newsletter, I would say we have a lot of like straight tips. You know, whether it be like just like a few paragraphs of good information. They also share videos on there. So basically, like part of what I do when I put together this newsletter is I spend a bunch of time on the internet going through basically anywhere there could be anything musky related. And I, you know, I'm sure I don't get everything, but I, I try and get as much as I can. And anything that I find that's cool, I put in the newsletter. So I know that quite a few of your videos have been featured in there, Jeff, um, because you've been kicking out some good stuff. but We'll share awesome links to go check out what, you know, whether that's videos or articles and to put some animated there too, for, uh, just cool action shots. You know, we were talking earlier about, uh, just how more people are self-recording these days and 
there's a lot of cool stuff on YouTube, but maybe you don't have time to scroll through YouTube all day looking for, you know, the coolest muskie action that's been posted. So I try my best to do that and pick out the cool stuff and put it on the newsletter so people can see it. And yeah, we touch on different topics. I know during the off season, I want to talk more on different stuff since maybe I know a lot of guys in the South are fishing, but a lot of guys up North are twiddling their thumbs waiting for, for muskie fishing. So, you know, digging up old studies and new studies that come out and it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's hard to really pin down what's exactly in the newsletter, but, uh, a little bit of everything. And yeah. And also we try and dig up as many big fish pictures as possible too. So I guess that's sort of a, a little overview of what we got going on. Yeah. I'd say you summed it up pretty good. Like you said, it's kind of almost like a, like you said, if you don't have a lot of time to scroll on YouTube and scroll through endless musky content, you can subscribe to the newsletter and they're going to give you probably some of the better five videos or six videos that they've seen this for the, for, you know, for that week. So it's, pretty cool a lot of different a lot of different stuff if you're looking to continue your learning aside from the stuff that you get on our podcast you know you can go check out the newsletter and there's a lot of tips and stuff in there too because i know a lot of musky anglers just want to continue to learn and be better anglers which is i mean that's the way it is brad and i are still learning as i'm sure you're still learning because none of us are the final version (laughs) of ourselves you know as far as musky anglers are concerned and everything you know things change yearly and patterns change yearly and weekly and so we're trying to continue to our quest obviously to be as good as we can be i would totally agree with that i think anybody who thinks that they've got everything figured out or almost everything figured out is is a little too confident because i feel like every time i get the opportunity to fish with someone who's good at fishing i feel like i learn so much even about things that i i feel like i know quite a bit about so i would totally Totally echo that sentiment. You probably don't want to come right. fishing with me then. It's going to be, you're not going to get, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not true because I, I can honestly say that I have learned tons of different techniques or, or thought processes that go with musky fishing from a client, you know, and this client might have only been fishing a year or two. So you never know who you're going to learn from. And I think, the big thing here is when it comes to muskies, use your ears. Carrie just said, never, never say never. If you <laughs> are wanting to be a better fisherman, listen first and then talk, you know, that that's really the bottom line. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. And yeah, you'll, you'll never, you never know where you might pick up a little tip that helps you catch more muskies, whether it's from people you might not expect or from chasing other species potentially bluegill so (laughs) yeah there's there's a lot to be garnered from from any a lot of different experiences so this podcast is going to go down another dark hole isn't it (laughs) (laughs) all right all right so hear me out hear me out eel pout i seen you just posted you know I recently jumped into the Instagram game. I have my Musky Mayhem Guide Service Instagram page now. And that's how me and you hooked up, Nick. You know, I've been aware of you for a long time. That's how we ended up hooking up and talking and getting you on the podcast. But, you know, it's so amazing to me 
all the different people that are out there and they're all communicating and everybody's going stir crazy because it's late, you know, midwinter, late winter, whatever you want to say. And everybody's got the musky bug. They're ready to go, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I did see yeah. you just posted recently a really nice eel pout. Yeah. Yeah, no, eel pout is uh, actually one of the absolute best musky fishermen I know. Jeremy Smith is has just totally, totally got the eel pout bug. Like he, uh, we were joking earlier uh, this morning where we were talking about how fun ice fishing is and just how much we love it and, you know, just how miserable it can be sometimes when conditions are terrible. But burbot fishing, he really, really likes burbot fishing. That's like, if there was one reason to have ice, it would be to fish burbot, according to him. So, yeah, no, it's burbot are fun, man. They are, uh, actually, I know a lot of people who fish for muskies that really like burbot, believe it or not. So, I guess you got to do something when you're twiddling your thumbs in winter. Well, let me ask you, why Why is that? I mean, you say a lot of musky fishermen like it. What is the the tie together with musky fishing? I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, one thing that's awesome about them is that they are just super crazy tough fighters. They can kind of, like, like they'll make runs like a lake trout will in a lot of cases. And actually, I would say lake trout is really a, a lot of people who fish muskies like lake trout too. That might actually be a more popular comparison, but uh, I do know a lot of muskie guys who chase burbot, and I don't know. I think they're really tough fighters. They're really, really beautiful. It, you know, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, but they're really cool looking, in my opinion. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a it's an underrated fish, and I think muskie fishermen like to I don't know sort of be uh, what's the word when you when you don't uh, like what's popular. Um, no question that musky fishermen are different breeds. I, I would agree with you. Burbot have some of the most beautiful patterns there is. I think they're very unique, and, and I look at them all the time on Instagram or, or on the web, and they're interesting. You know, they're truly an interesting fish. Yeah, absolutely. No, actually, we were sort of joking. Not joking. Actually, seriously, we're, I think we're going to do this this year. During the spawn, we want to head up to Lake of the Woods and go for a serious, serious hunt with probably eight guys to try and catch what would be considered like a state record caliber fish. So, man, I can't remember what the exact record is for Minnesota. I want to say like 17 or 18 pounds to win that ballpark. But it is not uncommon to catch fish in the mid mid teens up there and it's like if you were going to break the record it would be on lake of the woods almost certainly so and nobody really targets them up there it's always you know some guy was in some hard house and they're walleye fishing trying to catch 12 inch walleyes and they just happen to hook into you know a 17 pound burbot you see that somewhat often it seems like every winter some walleye guy hooks up with them. So if you went up there and actually targeted them with a lot of really good burbot anglers, it would be interesting to see what kind of damage you could do. So yeah, that might happen this winter. Yeah. That's cool. That's a really cool project. I'll stick to bluegills. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to just keep chasing muskies and take the winter off. (laughs) You guys can have your multi-species conversation somewhere else. (laughs) <laughs> oh come on jeff jump on the team here i'm a party pooper that way 
That's mostly because you don't have enough time. I mean, I would agree. That's probably one of the biggest factors. I actually used to like fishing in the winter. I liked it a lot. It was fun, but I just don't have the time to do it. Stupid bait business. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think you guys, yeah, your customers are probably happy that you guys don't ice fish more. So I guarantee that it's definitely about the customer. Whether you're Team Rhino or you're Muskie Mayhem Tackle, I mean, we definitely want to build the best quality, and delivery is a huge key on both of our ends. So it's huge. It's important, and you know, without the consumer, we're nothing. And so we appreciate that. Well, guys, I think that unless somebody has something to add, we should probably think about wrapping it up. What do you think? I'm good. I, I'm super pleased that, Nick, you came on and uh, had a blast visiting with you. And I think uh, you brought some stuff to the table that will help some people. And uh, I think everybody should go out and check out the Muskie Insider. And how can they get a hold of, of that? Can you give us some avenues of, of ways to sign up for that? Yeah, I would say just muskyinsider.com and you'll be confronted with ways to sign up once you get there. So, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And I will say this 100% genuinely that, so I am a big podcast listener. I listen to hours and hours of podcasts every week and you guys have the best fishing podcast out there, not just in the muskie world, from the ones that I've listened to, I'm just really impressed with what you guys got going on and the info and the personality. It's entertaining and always worth a listen. So I, it's just an honor to be on. I appreciate it, guys. Well, well I can't can't thank you enough for that. I don't know if we deserve all that, but I know I don't for time. sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely trying, and and we you know we want to present the best um, location to listen about fishing and. We're going to do everything in our power to uh, continue that path. And, I mean, with that being said, too, I think Brad and Carrie and I all realize that, you know, we have, this isn't the perfect podcast. This isn't the final product. We want our listeners to certainly give us information, good, bad, you know, whatever. Shoot us an email and let us know what you think of the podcast or what you want to see, what kind of guests you want to see. I, I mean, I think we all can agree that we have, we, we're still a work in progress. We still places that we need to go yet and things we need to do yet. So we're certainly going to continue to work towards that. And I know, you know, one of the shortcomings I think that we need to do is we have a lot of regional guests within Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and Illinois, which is great because we have a lot of listeners in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois, but there's a whole musky world to the South and you know, especially towards the east, and I think we need to explore some guests out that way too. So, I very much do appreciate the compliments, but we also do realize there's work to be done. So, if you have any recommendations for guests, make sure to email us at backlashpodcast at gmail dot com. You can tell this guy <laughs> I'm listens. Sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Hired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who needs me? You don't need me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, Nick. I. <laughs> it was truly a blast. Yep. I appreciate it. So did I, I didn't pay attention exactly because I was too blown away by the fact he actually said something good about the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you actually give out where you needed to go to get your musky insider? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. We, okay. We totally covered that. All right. More than enough. So Brad and Carrie, you want to talk a little bit about musky mayhem tackle? So if you want to learn more about musky mayhem tackle, you can go to muskymayhemtackle.com. 
or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find Musky Mayhem Guide Service on Instagram, which will give you more about Musky Mayhem Tackle also. The last part is the YouTube content. We're planning on uh, providing more YouTube content in the near future. The things are in the works, so we'll see what's going on from there. And let's talk about Team Rhino, Jeff. Team Rhino Outdoors. We are a majority of the stuff that we do is custom. We're a retailer in the musky world. A lot of the stuff you find on our website is exclusive to us. Although last year in 2019, we did add stock colors and a lot of stuff. And anytime a new product comes out now, we add the stock colors in that too. So you can find your favorites along with a bunch of custom stuff. So we're slowly building what I would feel like is the widest color selection that you're going to find in the musky industry. And so you can find all that at teamrhinooutdoors.com. You can also find Team Rhino Outdoors on Twitter infrequently. Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you had li- had listened to me talk about my daughter fishing all year, I finally put out the video of my daughter catching her first muskie. Well, it wasn't the giant that we were hoping for. It was still a muskie. And in that video, I actually get a nice one, too, on a suic. And you're going to see in future episodes that suic is probably our hottest bait that we had last year is the copper carp 10-inch weighted. So watch for more of those videos. As far as Backlash Podcast, you can find us on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Overcast. I think that's pretty much it. And like Nick had said, if you want to email us with issues or questions or whatever, uh, you can do that at backlashpodcast at gmail.com. Again, we have emails. I think there was one that I didn't answer already from a couple days ago. We will eventually get back to you. Unfortunately, I have... I still run an electrical contracting business and I still run the Team Rhino Outdoors business. And while my wife helps me with a lot of that stuff, she doesn't help me wire anything. And I still need to take care of my four kids. So we have a lot going on, as Brad and Carrie do also. So please be patient with us on the email. Sometimes you'll get lucky and I'll happen to see it and I'll have a moment to answer it right away. And I will. Other times I'll see it quickly and I'll be involved with something else and then I'll forget about it till I come back and actually go start scrolling through the emails. So don't. Don't worry, I will reply to every one of them eventually, just may not happen immediately. So once again, we just want to thank Nick for coming out, spending some time with us, talking about the Muskie Insider newsletter. If you haven't checked it out already, you should. It's got some cool stuff in there. I'm, I know he likes to, you know, he picks up our content once in a while also, and I'm pretty sure the Muskie Mayhem Tackle video that they had out recently got on there as well. So Nick, thanks for coming out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was, the pleasure was all mine, guys. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, Nick, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime. So, appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Like I like I said, it was really a pleasure, and I have been enjoying the podcast. So, yeah, we really appreciate cool, cool. that.